follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Gentlemen, how are you all doing this evening? Doing good, Shad. I am fired up for our subject matter for this week. Are you feeling electric? Yes. <laughs> feeling very electric. Are you feeling Mr. Electric? Perhaps. <laughs> all right. We want to say thank you all for joining us. We'll get into why we're chuckling about that in a second, but we're going to get our <clears throat> shout-outs out there first. The first one goes to Collar and Elbow, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code for Corners Podcast. That's number four, capital C, and corner capital P, and podcast, no spaces. Save 10% off your order. Matt, where's our other shout-out? Oh, that'd be to the man himself, Orlando. Cologne, who actually is Mr. Electric at all times. <laughs> so it, we're 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 cracking jokes about Mr. Electricity, Mr. Electric, Mr. Electric Slide, whatever, because we have a very very special topic tonight, don't we, Brad? Yes, we are. We are. This is a, a promotion that is near and dear to my heart. It um, if there was if there was a um. Hollywood equivalent of the UWF, it would probably be Plan Nine from Outer Space. <laughs> so we are we are doing none other than Herb Abrams UWF, and we're actually doing their final show, the Blackjack Brawl. And I've been down a massive Herb Abrams slash UWF rabbit hole for about the last four days of my life. Um, so the, the I, best the best summation I- of yeah, go ahead. Go, oh, sorry to cut you off. Uh, go ahead. Well, so I, do, I watched the Dark Side of the Ring episode on him. I think it's called, like, Cocaine Cowboy or something like that. It's, it's I think, episode eight. <laughs> and um, they, they're talking about his death. And Herb, and um, they had B. Brian Blair on the documentary. And he said, Herb Abrams went, left this world doing what he loved, cocaine and hookers. Hookers so, and blow is <clears throat> okay. I, I'm gonna ask: Is this a that that saying predates Abrams, right? Like it, this didn't come out of him, did it? No. Okay. No, he. That's just. It wouldn't he, surprise me, but. So if if you don't know or you haven't watched it or know much about Herb Abrams, they pretty much so his death occurred in like a police car or in jail because he got arrested because he was. Naked, covered in baby oil, and chasing hookers with a baseball bat. <laughs> and I believe destroying office furniture because he thought it was bugged. And he might have been naked with his cowboy boots on. 
See, it's, with a start like that, you would figure you would you would say what we're getting ready to go into is just is going to be amazing, right? Ah. Uh, well, you know, for me, when we usually when we know we're going into a bad show, I usually expect the worst, and it comes out a little better than you were expecting. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen with this show. <clears throat> no, uh, I was what I was going to interject a, a minute ago was I I don't know that I would p- compare it to Plan Nine um, because this actually this had stars in it, like at least stars of yesteryear. Um, actually, at the contemporary time, people yeah. who had had like big runs and even would still have big runs, it was more like one of those uh, like Sci-Fi Channel mockumentaries, or the, you know, like where it's like uh, it's not Transformers, it's like Transmorphers or something like that. It's like the like the a, horrible an asylum film. Yeah, like an asylum film uh, that is just absolutely terrible. But then it's like starring Lorenzo Lamas. It's like, oh, okay, I kind of remember him. He had a name. <laughs> I, you know, or starring, a... starring the third build guy from CSI. Like, okay. <laughs> oh, you're yeah, I know that me, guy. You reminded me of a Patrice O'Neill bit on Opie and Anthony about how what sci-fi would name like legitimate movies like Jurassic Park or something. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember what some of those were, but I remember it being hilarious <laughs> at the time. Carnosaur. Because they did, um, was it, was it, uh, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus? Uh, uh they've, had, they've had various ones. Yeah. That was Meg, was it Megalodon? Maybe. No, no, it, well. The, that, that industry kind of fell in on itself, unfortunately, though, when Sharknado happened, and then it kind of all, they couldn't top that, and it kind of went away. Because everybody wants it's Mega Shark versus John Octopus, yes. Um, uh, distributed by the Asylum, but uh, the thing I think that Sharknado has is that they know full well how silly they're being. They they're completely aware of it and they steer into it. Whereas it seems like some of these others want to play it straight. They want to be taken seriously, but you 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 just can't. See, I have a problem with, like, the modern B-movie because they're... Because what I love about, like, the ones from the 50s and 60s is usually they're... Sometimes they're giving you a little wink and a nod, but sometimes they're they're trying to make a movie, but, like, the technology just isn't there, the budget's not there to meet their ambition. And mm-hmm. the problem I have with, like, the modern B-movie is a lot of them, they do not stop winking and nodding at you to actually make the movie memorable. I don't know. Sharknado's kind of memorable. Well, like that, they're, that, they're, they've <laughs> taken the absurdity and just ran with it and had fun with but it. But that so. one, that one literally like is rolling around in it to the point that they made it good. I'm talking about like some of these other ones that you see or that kind of like try to be a B movie. And I'm talking about you'll run across these on Amazon or something. And you'll wa- you'll get like halfway into it, and it's like I can't watch this anymore. It's just too self aware of its own badness. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm yeah. talking about. Or you have things that are so self aware of their badness that they get like way up their own ass about it. Yeah, or it's like, like or it's like, like when... rubber about the killer tire. Yeah, it's what? like yes. It it's. I'll send of... you a link later. 
It's kind of like when Family Guy gets a little too up its own butt. That's what they kind of come across as. So, anyway, this this was not any of that. This was just... You know what? We'll get there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Black Jack Brawl in the MGM Grand Studio <clears throat> with the... Uh, uh, Shad, that yes. is Black, Black Jack Brawl number one. Oh, right. Sorry, <laughs> which would imply that there would be, which would be implied that there would be more, he, but that was not the case. Yes, that, no, and, sir. Two and three are coming any day now. If um, I'm to believe the <laughs> announcers, on uh, in some other alternate reality where there's a, a different timeline, like we are on like Blackjack 26 or something, and it's a, uh, it's just continued. It's like the WrestleMania of the UWF, which has continued on for years and years. I guess. Uh, we get started like the um, the ring announcer uh, Rossi was that his last name? Steve Rossi. Oh, he's from uh, um, Steve Rossi. He's from he is from a comedy duo that kind of predates us by a little while called Alan and Rossi. I guess they were like on the Ed Sullivan show. And um, this this should have told me if I knew who he was, like what we were in for for how um, stuck in the past Herb Abrams is that he thought this was like. A good idea. Well, the other the 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 Rossi is like one of the worst kind of ring announcers in that he is trying to get himself over in the course of this. Well, the pro- not like there are some announcers that get themselves over just by by sheer cheek or just by you know they're really good at getting you hyped up. Fair enough, but no, like Rossi is telling people cheer for this guy. I told you to do it. Not exactly in those words, but they may as well be. And he doesn't get wrestling. But th- th- that's a problem with everyone that has a microphone <clears throat> that is talking that is not a wrestler on mm-hmm. this show. Is they're all trying to get themselves over. They won't shut up. And um, they're all obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I-, I just want to point out something. Uh, it looks like it looks like the Allen and Rossi duo was biggest in the 60s. And they broke up in like late '60s, and then I guess uh, I guess Rossi continued on with as a solo artist. But it, uh, you're talking about by the time this show rolled around, he had stopped really being relevant for like almost 30 years. And I, I'd read they had like a reunion thing that was kind of successful in the mid '80s. So even then, like if you're give, if you're being generous, eight or nine years. Yeah. Um, and then we had. The announce team. Um, okay, remind me about our announce team because I okay, I so kind of scrubbed it, their names out of my memory. It might be the worst announce team I've ever yeah. heard. So um, I don't remember the play-by-play guy's name. He really doesn't deserve to be remembered. Carlo Gianelli. Yeah, I don't know who that is. The other, the color guy was John Tolos, who was actually a huge star in the '60s and '70s. Yes, he was. He was... He was, he was one of the Golden Greeks, right? Yep, he was huge in Los Angeles, and his probably most notable feud <clears throat> is with Freddie Blassie in Los Angeles, which yeah, and and was like a legit like huge star and moneymaker in that era at least, or that at least that like geographic location. Yeah, but I, I mean, like Dave Meltzer has I think written stuff about how like over he was and how like the 
feuds he had there, the run he had in like the LA territory, how um how much money they actually like made. He was a he was a big deal. I don't know. I, I haven't really seen his stuff, and I don't really. I'm not like a historian, so I don't know how to quite to equate him. But I mean, he was pretty big. But this was like, what would you say, like thirty years after he retired? Um, he might have kicked around till the early '80s in some capacity. Mm-hmm. But I would say, he, I would it, say he's probably. Mm-hmm. I would say we're there. Were they're doing stuff in like New York? And um, well, Las Vegas. I would say he's probably not a known quantity. He is. He he started with the promotion, and he is kind of off of that coach um, gimmick in WWE. So he had a little FaceTime because of that. But I would say, I would say, as being like a national draw, he's probably generously sixteen years out from being like a thing. Well. Let's let's also not gloss over the fact that he had no business being in the announce booth. Mm. I mean, like at the beginning, they showed a shot of them, um, you know, talking at ringside. And let's be fair, you know, I could absolutely see dude having a look, right? Dude, dude absolutely probably had a look in his day. I haven't looked him up, but um. God, he did not need to be doing play-by-play. He did not need to be in the announce booth for this. Oh, man, it is. As as, as was said, this is one of the worst announced teams I've ever heard. And I heard plenty of announced teams on the indies of just guys who wanted to show up and, and do it and were trying to get their foot in somewhere. And they were so much better. He, this is really, really bad. And they get worse as it goes on. They do. 15 feet in the air worse. Because, like, they started off like they were annoying at first, but they were tolerable. But by, like, the last, like, half of the show, <laughs> like, once that women's match hit, like, I wanted I wanted them both dead. I'm not going to go that far, but I definitely wanted, I wanted no commentary is what I wanted. I wasn't going to get it, but. Well, and Matt and I were talking before you got on before the podcast, how Herb Abrams just kept like interjecting himself into everything. Like after every match, he Mm -hmm. was Herb Abrams sticking his nose in. Yeah. Yeah. For no discernible reason. Yeah. And was, I I don't, I, I, this is honestly the first I've ever seen of UWF. Was Blackjack supposed to be Blackjack Mulligan? Was he supposed to be like his bodyguard or something? Because he was always he there. He was with like them. the booker for this. So, <clears throat> so going back to the start of the UWF. Oh God! When he first announced it, he was he said that his main star was going to be Bruiser Brody, who was dead, and his booker was going to be Blackjack Mulligan, who was in prison for counterfeiting. So, <laughs> he was off to a ripping start. Yeah. So that's how the promotion started. Which the weird thing is though. For as bad as this is, and how incompetent Herb Abrams is, is he he had like legit stars for most of the run of this whole promotion. It's really weird, isn't it? Like, if if you look, if you just look down this card, you're gonna look at it and go, uh, "This, this, this, you you guys have got to be crazy. This has got to be all right, doesn't it?" Yeah, you'd think, and you'd be you'd be wrong. 
Um, I mean, I hate to break it to you, but you'd be so wrong. Yes. Wildly so wrong. So very, very wrong. Yeah. yeah. Nothing <clears throat> saves it. <laughs> no. Like, it's not, it's not so, a blessed thing. It's so bad that before the main event, like, I was trying to parse out what I thought was acceptable. <laughs> yeah, good luck, right? Not a whole lot to be found to be acceptable yeah. in this. So, um, so the the thing that you have to realize about this show, and we'll get into it a little more, is I think there's 11 matches, and seven or eight of them have a belt of some sort on the line. That yeah, I actually, I, I screwed up. I should have uh, announced at the beginning of the podcast as my opening joke that uh, we're we're the UWS six man champions. <laughs> Because there, there's a belt for everything in UWF, yeah, yeah. and why not? And the other thing you're going to realize going into this, and we'll get into it a little more, is there's not a single clean finish to be had in this whole thing. It's... And, so, the, 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 it did not occur on this show, but there's a TV show where they have Paul Orndorff for Steve Williams in a cage match. Ends in a double DQ. I want to repeat that for the folks in the back. That is a cage match. A match with a cage that ends with the double DQ. The exact thing that is not supposed to happen in a cage match. So why don't we get this uh, why don't we get this crap show on the road? What's our first match on the card, Shad? It is Dan Spivey versus Johnny Ace with Missy Hyatt. Um, for the uh, for the inaugural UWF America's Championship. Some of these yes, titles, right. some of these titles, like why why did this promotion have a thousand titles? Well, it, it, like, it what only, was the point of it? It only had had like so before this, like for the first three years, it had only had like a TV title, and I think it had an Intercontinental title at some point. Like it never really had belts. So I don't like, like Doctor Death. Like they had never had a world title before. He was just wearing a belt they made up. I'm, I I should have I should have looked back to check and see how many of the belts were reused or if any were, because in my mind it's fifty fifty on this show about whether a belt was reused or not. They um they well yeah because. Because even like Orton, Orton was supposed to be hit the the champion, the champion that he fought for, which I think was the Sa- Southern States belt, and he did mm-hmm. not wear the belt out. But the belt was no, on ringside. Yes, it was. And I and, I, and they're like, okay, here he comes, and it's going to be for the Southern States title. I'm like, well, I wonder what this one looks like. And he's not wearing it. I'm like, what? Why? Why is? And but by that point my curiosity was kind of um, shellacked out of me. So we know, we know they at least bought a child's toy for the midget world title. (laughs) Well, let's, we'll, we'll get to that. Spivey versus ACE. Um, You know, it was, it was okay. I thought, uh, okay. So, so Johnny Ace's stuff looked really awkward, but I thought, I thought the match had a decent flow. I thought, the comebacks that Ace had were nice, if not a bit awkward. I thought it was an okay-ish back-and-forth match that would not be would not be great on TV, but would not be 100% out of place. 
Um, I, in the course of watching this, the the thing kept going through my mind is, it was like, that's Johnny Ace, and like he was a big. St- How is this guy a star in Japan? Well, right, um, uh, Mrs. Baba. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Baba's favorite. She, she likes them blonde, I hear. I'm, I'm Mrs. Baba's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Thank I'm you. A for big that. deal in Japan. I, I'm, but his 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 work is just it's it's so stilted and awkward that I'm I'm wondering like that that's. From watching this, that's the only way I would believe that he could be a big deal anywhere. I'm wondering if I'm wondering if their their ring had something screwy going on, and that was messing him up. Maybe, because um, there were a couple times like he went for something and it looked like he was like, "What the heck's going on with this like turnbuckle?" Well, I. I since it was the first match, I wasn't looking for stuff like that. But you, you that may be the case. I, but um, he's he. I would not call him a great worker. It's kind of amazing that he is in one of the best tags of all time. So, um, yeah. Oh, we can be fair. Sorry. Was his contribution rather minimal to that? I haven't watched it in a long time. I'd have to go back and pick it apart. But it had Mizawa, Williams, and is it Tawei was the other one? No, it was Akiyama. It was Mizawa and Akiyama versus Williams and Ace. That was the '96 Observer Match of the Year. So he was he was in that. I do not remember his contributions because I've not seen that match in ooh, 15 or 16 years. So, yeah. Well, I would I would find it hard to believe that it's going to be a match of the year where one person in it was a complete dead weight. So. Well, I mean, I mean, let's let's be honest here. We've we've seen uh, Ricky Morton carry Robert Gibson to greatness, so. <laughs> But, well, but Gibson Gibson was good at his job. But let's 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 not let's not shoot down too hard. Gibson was good at what he was supposed to do, and, and what he was supposed to do was take that hot tag and, and we, come in House of Fire. We will get to it, but we also um, we'll get to it in the main event. But I kind of think Williams carried Sid to probably one of the best matches in his career at this show. Uh, it was, I, I was surprised. I'm not going to lie. I was surprised at how good it was. So, I mean, I, I mean, maybe like, I mean, you're talking about, you're talking about three really talented guys. I, I think all you have to do is just not be a disaster to hold up that, uh, that fourth end of the match. Just be serviceable. Yeah. I can see that. So, um, this match it's right whenever, um, you know, uh, Ace. This is one of the few matches where we had like a clear heel babyface dynamic going, because there was a lot of not that in this show. Ace starts out, and you know he's in control at the beginning, and then Spivey takes over, and then we get the finish. And it does a couple things that um, you don't see that often. Um, We had a finish that was thrown in the towel, which we hadn't seen 
I mean, we're seeing it more like AEW's used it. But other than that, I can only think of like one instance since I started watching many moons ago. They when, threw it in, like, in a. They threw it. Martha Hart threw it in in like a Brett. Oh, that's right. Um, Brett was it Brett Backlund match? Yeah, yeah. it was Brett Backlund. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Hooventude did it for someone against Jericho. And the famous one is. Um, Scalin did it for Backlund against the Iron Sheik. See that one, I, I that one, that one's kind of out of the scope I was looking at. But well, yeah, you're that's right. when the olden days when that that would have been a more legitimate finish, I think. Right. But we had um, we had a throw in the towel finish, and here's the thing that really gets me. Missy Hyatt threw in the towel for the guy she was managing during an abdominal stretch. Oh, I know. It was terrible. And this is. It's supposed to be like a heel turn, right? But. Yeah. uh, Let me just interject real quick. No one cared about this match. Like the crowd was just absolutely dead. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But then again, then again, it's it's really like a stretch to call it a crowd. (laughs) Yeah, right? It's not. um, I don't think. I, maybe I didn't notice it with this match in particular, but definitely by the third match, I noticed like, oh my god, there's like no one past the third row. Yeah, it had 280 paid in a 17,000 seat arena. They you know how um, you know how like a few, it, it was several weeks ago at this point, but when we watched the um the WWC episodes, mm-hmm. um, and there was that one match where it, like it was like a, an arena and not a lot of people were in that arena. Yeah, there was still like way more people in that arena. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The show. But just to give um, just to give comparison sakes, if you're watching this, go watch the Tyson Holyfield fights. That's the same arena. Wow. God. This is like the premier. This was like the premier Las Vegas venue f- till like five years ago. Right. Oh no! I I I've been in the MGM Grand. Uh. Was that where Double or Nothing was? I don't remember. Might I forget, been. actually. I will uh, say, I will give them credit, though. It did, other if they would have had a crowd, it actually looked good on TV. They had their lighting figured out so that, you know, you, you, you weren't sitting there just going like, wow, look how empty yeah. that place is. Uh, sorry to interject. Yeah, that was in the MGM Grand Arena. So I was there at that venue, and... Uh, that was full of people. Yeah, this was not. Yeah. Maybe you could have gone up, man. If you just would have known, you could have gone up to the top and tried to find um, where Mick. See if Mick Foley's body imprint is still up up there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what's yeah. absurd here is. So this would have been Missy's, like, debut in the promotion. And really, I think Aces. I mean, they hadn't run a show for, like, a year. So they essentially had her turn on someone in, like, the most meaningless fashion because they had no history. Right. You know, who who cares about a heel turn straight out of the gate when there's no history? Yeah. And Spivey hadn't really been on the... Had only been on, like, I think the first TV or two. So it's even more of, like, a waste there. Now, to give to give Spivey a little credit, you could tell 
Spivey's the heel in this match without him having to do a whole lot. Well, yeah. Just I, just in the way, you know, because Spivey had really good, he had good physical charisma. Yeah. But, you know, we, we that's, I suppose they followed one of the rules is you take, you're supposed to put one of your hottest matches out there first, but, oh, man. And then, uh, um, after this, Herb Abrams gets on the mic and cuts, like, I couldn't even tell you what he said because it was a totally incomprehensible promo after this. Yeah. Uh, no idea. And, um, I, 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 honestly, after I, it was the point of, I couldn't figure out what it was supposed to be. I just quit listening. Yeah. So now I think, um, I think this was acceptable. I think what happens next really set the stage for what we are in for, for the rest of the show. So up next, we have yeah. a match for the UWF junior heavyweight championship. And it is Mondo Guerrero versus Jack Armstrong. I do not really, I didn't really know who Jack Armstrong is. He looks like a guy that's not been around since like the eighties. But yeah. But so Mondo Guerrero comes out, and one they totally misspelled his name, both names. Yeah. Which aren't difficult. But I think someone was trying to do Rico Suavo and got confused because so he comes they out. They pulled to taco grande by weird al and he does not look happy about it yeah i i when i was watching it i dropped it in our group chat i was like oh my god they had mondo come out to to taco grande by weird al and brad i think you were like uh you gotta be mishearing that or something yeah I thought, and then I thought... later Later you messaged me and you're like, you're sh- oh my god, you're right, it was. Well, I thought I thought he was going to come out to like Rico Suavo and because it sounds so much like Taco Grande, I thought like maybe you hadn't heard Rico Suavo and you thought like... Oh no, I knew what it was. Yeah, it, but then I was like, okay, this is okay. Then I hear it, I'm like, oh, Shadow's right. Like they got to the lyrics. Like that's not good. It, it threw me because... I was um, listening to it, like I, I was sitting there going, "Okay," because I heard the like steel drum section start up, and I was like, "Oh, okay, so they they got Rico Suave for him." And then the lyrics started, and I was like, "Wait a minute, that doesn't sound right." <laughs> and sure enough, it didn't sound right because it wasn't. Um, <laughs> And you know what the funny part about them playing Taco Grande is other than, like, the um, horrible racial undertones that it was and Mondo being annoyed is that was probably the most contemporary song someone came out to on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that's the case. Because uh, most of the stuff on here is, even at this time, you it would have been on the classic rock stations. So this, like, there's not much in the way of contemporary music going. So this match really isn't in anything except for uh, Mondo went for a dive, and I'm pretty sure Armstrong's brains got splattered all over the arena floor. Yeah. That's the only thing I remember from this. Other than, his, so then Jack Armstrong wins, and then I remember his promo because he says he's a thinker, not a stinker, and I literally wanted to puke he was the oddest looking person and i i looked him up he was just like a 
he was just like a WWF jobber, and they had him, they had Mondo Guerrero job to him. Well, I think he was like, I think he was at like Continental, but he was like a lower card guy in Continental. I don't know. I'd never heard of him before. No, I hadn't either. I he, looked... he and he had a weird look. I thought almost for a second it was like Killer Tim Brooks coming out because he had that weird like scruffy like you should be working at like a gas station and the like changing people's oil type yeah. of look is like all just greasy and balding with but with straggly long hair yeah and he, this is yeah. this was an absolutely dreadful match even like the punches and kicks were bad like mondo threw a pretty good you know the it, the finish had mondo throwing a moonsault which was a pretty good moonsault i thought but then the finish got super screwy um I had that in my notes that the finish was screwy, but for some reason I didn't write what the finish actually was. I, I, but, this was terrible. It was, it was, yeah, it was really bad. And like Matt said, the post match wasn't any good. And that was for the UWF junior heavyweight championship, which I don't think they even handed to Armstrong. I think there was, Hey, you won the junior championship. And he cuts his promo. And I'm like, we're, we're going to hang on to this. Um, we're just gonna we're just gonna keep this. I mean, I wouldn't give that guy something worth any money. <laughs> I don't think I would either. So up next we had um, this is for the Sports Channel Television Championship, which actually did exist prior to this because at Beach Brawl in 1991, which is their other pay-per-view attempt that got less than 2,000 buys, I think. I think it got 1,000 buys. Um, Dr. Death Steve Williams won this belt by beating Bam Bam Bigelow in a tournament final. Was this like a went to Rio and won the won the tournament there kind of tournament no, final? No, they, like, they had like, I think they had like, each had a match before this. Or so, because I think Bam Bam beat like Steve Ray, and I don't remember who Doctor Death beat, but it was like a okay. legitimate tournament. So okay, uh, this given is... given what we're dealing with, I thought that was a valid question. So this is Sunny Beach versus Doctor Feelgood. Um, Sunny Beach is Rick Allen, who I think's appeared here <laughs> and there. So he's like a he's not a star, but I think he's done like job duty in a lot of places, and I think he did some stuff for the the GWF and so because it is the nineties, he obviously has a surfer gimmick. Yeah. Without a surfboard. Yeah. He, he had been around for a while. Yeah. He's like a veteran. Yeah. But just like, like a, an itinerant veteran where he's just popping around everywhere. He usually is like a job guy. He's like that. He's like, so Sunny Beach is like, if you're talking about like a baseball or like a NFL equivalent, he's like that dude that's been around for 12 years and he's been on like 10 teams because he's not really good enough to hang around anywhere, but he doesn't cause trouble. He can contribute. So every, like if a team sees him out there and they need to, they have a roster spot, they'll give him, they'll give him a job for a couple years just because he's a solid contributor. Okay. But what would who would the equivalent be for him? And like, yeah, like if you could kind of compare him to a more contemporary like wrestler. Um, 
Like, um, I can picture someone. He'd be like a Mike Bennett. There are a lot worse things to be than Mike Bennett. Yeah. I mean, and dude was, I mean, dude was solid enough. Maybe like a Frankie, no, Frankie Kazarian would be too, um, <clears throat> too accomplished. Maybe like a Sean Spears. But I think that might be a little too high up, too. Yeah. Yeah, Spears has been doing some stuff, so. Mm. Oh, God. I don't know. What about like a John Nord? Eh, John Nord was a little too high up the the ladder, I think, for that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, okay. Mike Enos? No, Mike Enos was too good. <laughs> it's not looking great for Sunny Beach here. Generally. No, it's really not. Anyway, he's um he's against probably the worst named, most inappropriately named worker on the show, Dr. Feelgood, because there's nothing to feel good about he this guy. Even, you know what pissed me off about this one is he didn't even come out to Dr. Feelgood by Motley Crue. No, he that, didn't. That I was waiting for that. That would have made him... It literally would have made him a lot better. Like, I'd give him... He'd be 40% better if, if he came out to that as his music. And it, it's a dude who... He doesn't even have, like, flashy ring gear for a guy named called Dr. Feelgood. No. Yeah. And he has the most bizarre haircut, a, a crew-cut mullet. And by that, I mean his entire head is like a crew-cut, except for the back, where it just turns into, like, a mullet. And I looked this guy up, and he's just, I guess he was just like a WWF jobber. Yeah, and he did. Named Al Burke. And he did, like, yeah, and he did some other stuff for UWF under, like, a different name. This match is probably where it hit me, where I just, like, I just became increasingly confused. Because it's like, why do you have guys who actually, like, they're, in a sense, they're name guys. Like, Spivey and Ace were, like, kind of name guys. Like, you had heard of them. And then you had complete, like, scrubs like dr feelgood and, and yet you're like really pushing like the, the scrub and dr feelgood and it's like what why like it's not like these people were lesser known people that were just great like they never had their shot their chance to shine they're just, ter- well, <laughs> they're just terrible you know what i don't get is um why why like you have a guy like steve ray who actually has some semblance of talent on this show and you mm-hmm. fed him to tyler main why wouldn't you put Steve Ray in this match and have him beat Dr. Feelgood in like oh, a yeah, more showcasey thing. Because mm-hmm. if I had to choose between between like pushing Sunny Beach and Steve Ray, I would push Steve Ray. Like we'll get to that more, but like Steve Ray is Steve Ray is decent in the ring. I'd say he's probably like a little above average. He's got a decent look. Mm-hmm. And he's got a little bit of charisma. Like I could see I could have seen him as like a WCW syndicated guy that picked up some wins being a little above a jobber. Uh, it, you're, you're right about that. I mean, why, why they wouldn't do that with Ray, but the other thing, like the, if they're pushing Dr. Feelgood out of this, I'm really confused as to why. 
And why did because you the busy? dude is, yeah. Why did you? Well, putting putting a manager with someone you're trying to get over. Okay, you know, like you know, old old hat at this point, yeah, right? But he's but, so forgettable though. The only thing I remembered about his entrance is like, oh yeah, Missy Hyatt had like a doctor's coat on. Well, and this guy is such a stiff. Mm-hmm. Like, he has he, no charisma. He, no. he has no charisma, and he has no. Like, when I call him a stiff, I mean, like, literally, he's walking like he's got a rod fused to his spine. He he doesn't he doesn't have any sway, any swagger. He's, he's ramrod straight the whole time. He is... And he's not even the biggest stiff on this show. No. We'll get to that, too. And, like, the thing is, like, Sunny Beach isn't terrible, but this match was terrible because Dr. Fieldman mm-hmm. had nothing. Yeah. Pretty much. So, Merce, well, unfortunately, it had five minutes. Um, That's not even the ag- most egregious time on the show, because I find the no. next match much more offensive than this one. <sighs> okay, so the next match. This was so weird. Uh, Given that it was for the UWF Southern States Championship, the winner probably should have been, the way the show was going, should have been, like, obvious from the get-go. But we've got Bob Orton Jr. facing Finland Thor. And whenever he came out, I looked at him and was like, is that who I think it is? It is. It was Ludwig Borga. Ludwig Borga. A.K.A. Tony... Tony Holm, yeah. so I, aka aka Brad, the first coming of Brock Lesnar. Nice. <laughs> so I have to say, for me, this is where the show takes a giant, like, just completely nosedives because. So this match, um, I hated it. I didn't know who was a face or a heel. I don't think Orton or, um, the Viking House Party prequel <laughs> knew what he was. <laughs> And then Orton's cutting this weird, like, people in America promo afterwards. And I think my jaw was on the floor because I did not know what was going on. And I think Orton got busted hard way. And yeah. Orton was supposed and to be he's... the champion. He didn't wear the belt. Like, And I, I had no idea who the face or the heel was. And then I think um, Rossi was telling people to cheer for someone. Or I, I just, this match well, was just... like. Orton is working face, it seems like, but then he cuts a heel promo afterward. Like you said, which is just confusing. Why? Like, I I don't... I have no idea. And he was making, like, baby face comebacks, and then I I just... I I don't know... you know what this was? This is like that dream where you're being chased by a killer and you're trying to run away but not getting anywhere. That's what this felt like. Whenever I have that dream, there's this moment in it whenever I turn around and and try and hit him with something. I I try and, like, punch him or kick him or throw something at him or, or, or hit him with something, and it lands like a wet pool noodle. Actually, you know what this was? This was like watching Jaws when Quint is talking about the Indianapolis and being in the water and the sharks are eating people. That's what this was like. This was like the personification <laughs> of that story. You know, other than that, that story. Yes. 
but it god it was it was bad it was really really bad like we saw just a touch of athleticism hit when orton went into the finish but that's that's that that was it that that was all there was to it yeah matt i'm gonna hand you the bat so you can beat this dead horse a little more this was just another absolutely terrible match i think ludwig borga viking house parties offense was just strikes i think yeah and it was just punches like punches to the gut and that was it orton's punches on the other hand looked great they did. He had he had really good punches. Oh, by the way, I was uh, happy to see that his forearm finally healed. <laughs> um, but then the finish was just god awful. It's like a DQ finish. What the what is this shit? Yep, it's absolute bullshit. Yeah, it was terrible. It, it this was another it, this. I mean, then the matches at this point, the only I would guess like decent one was Spivey and Ace. Yeah, I was uh, which that. was not even a good match, but at least it was. It, it was, was probably the, Yeah, it was probably like the equivalent of like maybe like a TV match you would watch on yeah. a weekly show, but this was just bad. Like like Borga didn't even look like he wanted to be out there. Clearly, he was just doing this for a paycheck. Ugh. Yeah, it looked like Orton was trying. Like it kind of looked like Orton was trying to get something okay out of him because I think Orton had some pride in his work, and like I just don't think he was going for it. I think that that's that's a fair statement. I sure, certainly wasn't going for it. Yeah, but we're and the sad thing is, as much as I hated this, this is not even the worst match on the card. No. Oh no, no. Because we're gonna get to that one. We are. God save us, we are. So the, I'm gonna say the next match was the at, to this point was the best match on the card and was the best match on the card for way longer than it should have been. <laughs> I'll, I'll be fair in the interest of trying to get through in the interest of trying to get through most of the show to get ready for tonight I skipped over a little bit and this is one of the things I skipped over you actually shouldn't have because so this is this is for the midget world title this is little Tokyo versus karate kid and it was actually like they you have kind of an expectation of what a midget match is supposed to look like and they kind of didn't go with that. They did a little comedy in it, but they kind of worked a straightish, straightish match, and it was actually decent. It was way longer than it should have been. I wouldn't have given this like almost eight minutes, but there was like a good four and a half, five minute match drug out to eight minutes. I I actually thought this was was a funnish little match. It was uh, it was pretty fun. I I don't know anything about Karate Kid. I don't either. I know Little Tokyo because he's been everywhere. So. Yeah. What I I didn't understand that this the the three counts on this the the accounts were like ridiculously slow until the finish in which they was super fast. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the announcers made a funny remark at the end, which oh, was actually yes. completely accurate. Um, Herb Abrams wasn't much bigger than either one of those guys. Yeah. Which was absolutely true. By the way, I forgot to mention this. Why was Herb Abrams walking around looking like a total goofball in a, a yellow blazer that was like three times too big? I have no idea. 
So I I I I heard um I think they talked about this on between the sheets. This so there's a I guess there's an urban legend that Herb Abrams said something racist to Little Tokyo after this, and he actually did not. In the promo. Well, that's good. Well, so what happened is um what happened is they had kind of an awkwardish back and forth with Little Tokyo afterwards, and um he said. So Little Tokyo said Kumpai and um, Herb Abram said, I know about, I, you know, I know Kumpai. He's like, and Little Tokyo says, oh, how you know Kumpai? He's like, I was married to a Japanese girl once. And that somehow got misconstrued by someone reporting, I guess, to Meltzer or someone that he said, I was married to a Jap once. And that's, that's what Foley had in his book. Yeah, and that is not what he said at all. And And if you watch this, there is, there is... He does not say that. He says, I was married to a Japanese girl once. And it was just obviously like a little joke between them. It wasn't like there was no. And I know Matt probably saw that that interview. There was really nothing like there was no real. The racial undertone people say was there is not there. It was it was mostly a harmless little comment. It seemed like it seemed like convivial. And he was like, uh, I guess he was kind of congratulating him. He's like, we drink sake tonight. He threw that in there. Yeah. But there wasn't anything, like, offensive. It was... It's not what people think he said. Yeah, it was more just, like... I mean, the guy's Japanese. He was kind of just, like, playing up the guy's heritage, where he's like, you know, we'll, we'll celebrate, we'll go drink sake. Yeah. But, I will say... You I, know, it was, it was fine. I liked um, Little Tokyo's reactions to this were pretty good, though, because, like, he has this, like, sup- this feigned surprised look when he's like, oh, how you know Kumpai? <laughs> Like he he did a and he, but man, little Tokyo looked old as dirt here too though. Yeah, he did. So what's up next on this? Is this the really bad match? Yeah, this yes. is the bad the bad oh, stuff. Oh yeah. Okay, so sh- I'm gonna let Shad talk about this one because Shad has actually been a worker, and this was I I think Matt agreed with me. I and I've been trying for three days to think of a worse match I've seen than this, and I I'm literally coming up with nothing. Oh no, this is. Hands down, one of the worst matches I've ever seen, the, and I've I've been watching wrestling for over I've, like a good twenty five plus years. And the only thing I could think of that even touches this is the the John Tenta Katawe match where he's not cooperating, but even that has like the is entertaining and the absolute like crap show that that is. Uh, maybe that um that infamous like Jackie Gate attack match. Uh, no, this is worse than that in my opinion. Well, the Jackie Gate tag, tag match, like, she was awful, but the other people in the match weren't necessarily awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's 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 a little bit of a saving grace if we want to get... Now, I, no, I'm not trying to undermine or one-up, but I will say I have seen worse in some dank, crappy little middle of nowhere venues before but not by much and it's it's okay so we this is a match between the irish assassin and samson both of these guys come out um wearing trunks Irish is say 
Irish assassin's trunks look like he just like found a pair of compression shorts and put them on. And Samson has like striped. Like, if you ever saw the old Phantom comics where he had the striped trunks that went over the purple suit, that's what his looked like. Neither one of them's wearing knee pads. Both of them look juiced to the gills and completely inflexible. Mm-hmm. And here they come, and they're going to have them a wrestling match. Uh, no, they're, they're not, Chad. They're ha- they're having a revenge match. <laughs> even, <laughs> even, though, though it, <laughs> even though even though you never heard of either of these two guys, you don't know why they would want revenge on each other. And yeah, you just you, there's no like definition as to what constitutes the revenge match. And, and, uh, no, and Samson's are a, is a substitution for Hercules Hernandez, so it's not even the original revenge match. No, it's it's not. I I I want some revenge after watching this match, but you know Herb Abrams is dead, so that'd be like getting blood from a stone. Um. So here they come, and they walk down the ring, and like they said, they they these guys look juiced to the gills. They look like they they can't even like they can barely even walk. They're so inflexible. And they have the personality of styrofoam, even in the interviews. Yeah, well, it, okay, so Samson comes out and just kind of looks around. Like, he comes through the curtain and looks, looks around like he's lost. Irish Assassin comes through the curtain with a little bit of face paint on one eye and a black beret on and black gloves to go with his black compression shorts. So he looks like some dude who just started training that they threw out there to fill a spot. And, and just to give like a visual, like so Irish assassin, uh, Irish assassin, assassin is kind of ripped, except he has the ripped guy's gut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely true. Um, and they get to the ring and they just kind of like, they, the, the match starts and these guys can't even lock up properly. I have to say, I knew we were. I knew I was in trouble after the first lockup, and I'm like, "Oh God, that did not go well." Uh, there were. Hang on a second. Let me see if I can count this out right, because I think in just watching that one lockup, there were they did three things wrong in one lockup. Well, there and. They um their dismount was bad on all of them. I remember that. Yeah, it was. But I mean, just just the lockup. The second thing you learn, maybe the maybe the first, but typically the second, because usually they you go through bump drills first. But the second thing you learn, they can't do properly. They can't do properly three different ways. And then. Normally, if you go into a lockup and it's two strong guys and they can't get anything, they shove off of each other. These guys both just drop their hands and back up and look at each other. And then they circle very slowly and do it again. And they circle very slowly and do it again. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, Brad, this is your fault. The reason this is... The reason this is going into my eyes is your fault. And they, like, 
when it comes to offensive moves that happen, they're offensive. Um, but like, I think Samson. Okay, they 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 square up, and I think Samson tries to go shoot the assassin off, but they they can't do it right. And then, um, Samson, like he 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 they 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 he shoots him off, and he does this knee lift. And the only thing I can figure that happened is that assassin went. Oh, that was good. I'm going to do that, too. And these guys traded, like, six knee lifts back and forth. Like, not even really selling them. Just doing knee lifts to each other. And then one of them, they, like, take turns bending over the other guy's leg when the other guy knee lifts them. And I believe John Tolis was claiming the crowd was going wild for this. Yeah, he did. He oh, said yeah. That. The crowd, listen to the crowd go wild for that. And I was like... Uh, um, no. Like, I, you're, I, I know you're trying to do your job, but don't insult my intelligence in trying to do your job. Don't lie to me like that. And, you know, they, they do knee lifts, and, like, the one thing they might kind of do correctly is a duck under clothesline spot. They do the duck under okay, and the assassin looks like he misses the lariat okay, or the clothesline okay, but then Samson, I think, hits him with a lariat that does not look okay. No, that one, isn't that the one where, like, Samson almost face-planted afterwards? Yeah. And if I remember correctly, at some point in the match, like, Irish assassin does, like, a jumping lariat which i i guess look all right but this like they're so stiff that you know they don't stay on each other everything they do they pause afterward like they're buffering their next thought from a slow internet connection um <laughs> and I, i'm it it fine he this ought to tell you all you need it finally ends when Samson does a, just barely, does a vertical suplex. Just, I'm going to say that again, just barely does a vertical suplex. And then bridges on the assassin's one shoulder for the three count. And all I could think is, all I wanted this, all I wanted was for this to end and you screwed that up. Is that a fair recap, guys? Am, am I off base or am I missing anything? I'm impressed that you managed to go through that without swearing. <laughs> I have small children and I try not to swear in front of my small children. I, I, think this, and, um, I think this match holds a record for me in that one eyebrow was up the entire time I watched it. You know that look you get on your face when you're trying not to have a headache? from something happening in front of you and you've got like your either your index finger or your index and your middle finger pressing against one of your eyebrows. That was my state watching this match. I, I, I went to my, have you ever been in a meeting and someone like says something really stupid or inadvertently references a meme and you just kind of start staring at the wall because you can't like let on that you 
you know. And you look across the table and you see someone on the opposite end doing the same thing as you, and it makes it even worse. That's kind of like what watching this match was like. I feel like I probably, if you were to see my expression, I probably had my head cocked. You know, like when like a dog, you're saying something to a dog and the dog like has no understanding of what you're saying. Just thoroughly confused. I think that was my expression. I was just like, what, what, what am I watching? And it's, it, it, it was legitimately, again, one of the worst matches I've ever seen. Yeah. The the first lockup, I was like, ooh, this isn't good. Then they did it again. I'm like, oh, wow, that first one wasn't a fluke. I was, um, I'm not going to lie, Brad. I was actually legitimately upset with you through the course of this for, for me having to see this. I was just. They broke me so bad, I checked the Wikipedia about a minute in to make sure that this wasn't going to go, like, eight minutes. <laughs> I, uh, I... I just... No. I will say, in the, just... in the grand scheme of things, of the, of the masterpiece that this show is, that they needed this to really, like, cement it all together... I don't know what to say anymore about the, I'm I am like exhausted my word limit whenever it comes to this this match cuz I I don't know how to say how bad it is clearly enough to our listeners and and some of them are going to be like oh well I should look this up to see how bad it is you really shouldn't just this is one of those times when you would you would be very well served to take our word for it. I, I, I'll, I'll put it into words. I think two girls, one cup had more artistic integrity than this match had. I at least don't shudder at this match like I do at the thought of that. So what's up? What's up next on this? Are we? Are we? Oh yes. No, no, we're not there yet. So we're at. Um, this is probably Shad's favorite match though because of a. Uh... So this is. This is Steve Ray versus. First Tyler Maine, who is probably more famous at this point for being Sabretooth than he is for, being a wrestler. Yeah, he is. Uh, he he had roles in Hollywood as Sabretooth in the uh, the first two X Men films, mm-hmm. and he also portrayed. Uh, Michael Myers in the Rob Zombie Halloween remakes. That was him. That was him. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, he's he uh, he still does. I think B movies uh, every now and again. So he's still kind of like a in Hollywood doing acting stuff. He's not a terrible actor. I'll give him. I'll give him that. He actually has. He's a weird one. He wasn't. He wasn't good enough to really make it in wrestling, but it's like he had size and he actually had a good look. He actually, I mean, again, he doesn't have like a lot of filmography, but well, I guess he he has a decent filmography, but I mean, the the roles where he's actually like talking, he's not just like some scary monster in a costume. No, and I I actually, he's not terrible. I thought his promo after his match was okay ish. I actually. For this match, I gotta say, like, we can talk about it, but like I didn't hate this match. I actually thought Tyler Maine was like okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little surprised like they didn't do more with him because 
I, I mean, I'd surprise that like Vince didn't like pick him up or something. I know he wasn't like a great worker, but I mean, uh, there was a time in the early '90s where Vince was hiring just really terrible people. Yeah, this <laughs> and, and really, I don't think not as terrible as like human beings, just like bad workers. Yeah, I, I think um, I think he was a little too like skinny. I think he needed a little mm-hmm. more uh, gas for Vince to be interested. But I agree with you. I thought this was an acceptable television match. Like I thought this one was, was at times brushing up against being actually good mm-hmm. because Steve Ray this... himself, like we talked about him earlier, like Steve Ray's actually a competent wrestler too. Yeah. He, he was like a visually, he looked like a more energetic Van Hammer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or like a do- or like a dollar store carry Von Eric. He looked, yeah, okay, all right. But I'm he actually you. he was a guy that if if the UWF ever actually like had become something, like he's a guy you could have seen has been like a, a homegrown star. Like he could have maybe taken off. I don't think I think I like looked him up afterwards. I think the story was that basically when this folded, like he got out of the wrestling business. I think he did like I think he did a couple of things, but nothing like major. Like he did like one yeah. run on like a WCW house show circuit, like four or five shows. I think he did a couple of GWF shows, and that was about it for him. This I feel like he was because this was like mid nineties. I feel like he was just in the wrong era. Like if he if he could have just if, held if, on for another, if he could have just been five years younger, he would have hit that NWA Wildside crew and been. Like probably hit like ROH and stuff like that. Maybe tail end of ECW. Yeah. Probably gotten like some lower card stuff in TNA, and then you know moved on to IWA MS and stuff like that. Like I think he would have. Yeah, would have been all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this okay. The thing Brad was referencing is that I. It might have just been trauma out of watching the match before it, but I cracked up at Tyler Maine's entrance attire. Tyler the Lion's Maine. <laughs> and just to drive the point home, he comes out with what's basically a tabard draped over his shoulders. And on this tabard is just like it's just a fuzzy rectangle with a lion face in the middle of it. That he holds up and like shakes at people. He's like, no, lion's mane. That's the joke. That's the gimmick. Okay, lion's mane. And I I, I could not help but laugh so hard at everything going on there. Just just how... um, It's the word I'm looking for. It's kind of a my first gimmick thing. Yeah. It, it felt like, and, this, and uh, I, I I did I laughed so hard. This was also for the most useless wrestling championship ever, the MGM Grand Championship. Yeah, yeah. If we name a title after the venue, does, maybe they won't kick us out. Does this mean he could only defend it at the MGM Grand, or? I would hope I would hope so, and I would hope that. The belt is on the line for the entirety of the time he is in the MGM brand. <laughs> like a 24-7 uh, WWE hardcore title, but only in the building. Yeah. 
And if, if you, he makes it out, he's good. And if you leave the building or sunlight touches you, you vacate the title immediately. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Tyler Maine is stuck at the MGM Grand so long as he wants to be the title holder. He yes. has to stay within the, the confines of the arena. Yes, all those saber teeth the... things were shot blue screen because he wanted to keep his belt. God, that's that's oddly entertaining. An oddly entertaining idea. I don't remember the ending to this one. This one had the closest thing to a clean ending on this show, I think. No, because um, uh, uh, Stevie Ray went for a sunset flip, and Maine held the top rope and just mm-hmm. kind of sat down for oh, the pin right. while yeah. holding the top rope. Yeah. Because we can't have... Yeah, it was like another... Yeah, it was another non-clean finish. Yeah. What are you talking about, Brad? We can't have clean no, finishes on this show. that's crazy. Crazy. In, in, in Foley's own words, this is Herb Abrams' show. This is... So I, I sadly don't really have a lot to say about this because, like Matt said, this is this is like acceptable wrestling. Like it's actually in the face of this show, it's actually kind of not memorable because it's okay. Yeah, it's it's one of the better matches on this show. Yeah. Comparatively, I mean, it's 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 exceedingly low bar, but this was something kind of like approaching almost again like a TV TV. Uh, a TV show match where it's it's kind of just there, but it's inoffensive. Yeah, and this would have been like you know the heel cheats to um to get you know to to carry on the feud, blah blah blah. And um, this actually, like Shad said about the opener, this had a clear face heel divide in it. Let me see. We're one, two, three, four, five. Six, seven matches in, and only two of them had a clear heel face dynamic. Yep. Mm. And this is also, this is a lot, this is, so past this match is where I start to viscerally hate the announcers. Before um before we get to the announcers, just to, to finish up on Tyler Remain, because I actually looked up his filmography, do, do either of you recall, this, and I literally forgot about this film, for like a well over a decade until I saw it, I'm like, oh my god, I remember watching that match, uh, that movie. Did you ever see Black Mask Two? Uh, that sounds familiar. No. Okay, it was a uh, it was a sequel that was completely un- almost unrelated to the original film, but there was a there was a movie in the mid '90s uh, starring Jet Li called Black Mask, where he was basically like a superhero. This is way before like okay. you know, yeah. the Marvel movies. You recall that movie, maybe? Yeah, I do. Yes. Yeah, so they made a sequel to that, like, years later, and it doesn't star Jet Li. It stars, like, some Jet Li lookalike. Uh, but I remember this film because it was more, like, superhero stuff, but they actually had... It was almost like him versus other, like, supervillains. And it starred Tyler Maine. He was one of the villains. And it starred Rob Van Dam <laughs> as another villain. And uh, looking at the... Uh, Looking at the the cast list, there, there's some uh, there's some B movie stars in here. Like it has Tobin Bell from uh, you know the soft films. Like he plays one of the villains in it. It's got uh, it's got Scott Atkins, who if you're a, a B movie action star, he's played like a million uh, martial evil martial artists. 
Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like you. Hang on, I'm trying to place the names. I, I haven't because I think I'm. I haven't watched like that. I think that, I'm crossing them. I haven't watched the the B like that B tier list of action movies because I remember that used to be like like late night TV in the the 2000s. Like at four in the morning, it used mm-hmm. to be a treasure trove of like those second tier action flicks. Yeah, I guarantee you. If if uh, if Christy Petrillo was on uh, the yeah. show, he, he'd talk about how oh I have that I have that match on uh, on on, <laughs> on VHS. VHS yeah. Give me give me oh, hang on Black Mask Two. Black Mask Two City of Masks. Let's yeah. See here. Well now they're not going to give me the Andy on Tobin Bell Tracy Lord. Oh, you know it's low budget if they cast Tracy Lord in it. Yeah. Um. Uh. Super Soldier Powers. Okay. A giant brain is the creator. All right. We're we're we're. Uh, main character against a group of hybrid animal human animal hybrid professional wrestlers. Yes. Okay. Yes. I remember yep. this. I remember because yep. I remember specifically watching this. Not even because I like martial arts films, which I do, but I think I specifically watched it because Rob Van Dam was in it. Rob Van Dam was Claw. Yeah. Uh, and if I want, I want to recall, like he's probably in the film like five minutes. Yeah, but you get that five minutes, you get access to that health insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Rob Van Dam probably has a SAG card. He probably does. Nat, yeah. Kevin Nash talked about that once, that most wrestlers try to get in one movie a year so they can keep the SAG insurance. Because it's apparently it's really good. Yeah, Tyler Mayne was Thorn. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd have to see these guys, because I'm I'm kind of a visual person, so I'd, I'd recognize, recognize them by sight, probably. Um, but I'm not going to recognize just by hearing the names. You know, look again. Going back, going back to uh, to Tyler Maine, I forgot he was in Devil's Rejects. No, I remember that. Which he Devil's Rejects is probably, I would say, probably the the one legitimately good Rob Zombie film. Um, I would agree with that. He's had he's had films that were like okay, but. That's a legitimately good horror movie. If you want to consider it a horror movie, but I would. It's, he's not. I, I think we've had this conversation on a, a show way back, but I remember, I remember him being on Howard Stern hyping up how great House of a Thousand Corpses was going to be. Yeah. And seeing it and being like, that was not good. No. But then his next film was Devil's Rejects, and it was like a night and day difference. Yeah. I don't know what it is about his movies, like, because I didn't like his version of Halloween either. Well, yeah, it's because uh, even though I do like Devil's Rejects, like, it, it's clear like he has, he basically has one style of film. It's that it's it's people kind of thrust into the path of uh, psychotic hillbilly rednecks. Yeah, and he he's done that film now like ten times. And it's the same. Thing. And the other problem is that's like other people like doing that, and it just it it gets old after a while. 
Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm not the, really... Uh, yeah. You can only see the, the crazy hillbilly trope so many times before it's like, oh, yeah, I know where this is going. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. I don't want to see it at all because I've had people level that at me mm. in my life. It's like, oh, yeah, them, huh? Be careful. I'd be like... You know, nothing makes you want to hurt somebody more than being accused of something like that. And it's um, it, no one's really done it better than Deliverance either. So, ugh. yeah, not not a movie you should watch, but like that's that's what everyone's trying to like repeat, and it's never. Uh, I don't know. Well, that's that's a stigma that that people from from my part of the world have. It basically cemented that stigma, and we haven't been able to shake it ever since. Mm-hmm. But the other, the, I was going to say the other thing that just annoys me about the guy is he's like, oh, no, no, we're going to redefine Halloween. It's like, no, don't don't give Michael Myers motivation. Don't give him background. You just, that's That's missing the point. That's part of what makes him so scary. Mm-hmm. Is that there's just not any. That's and that's a he's he's terrifying because he's he, he's coming after you and there's not really a good reason why. I that's but, a big problem I have with modern Hollywood is they don't get that. Like I'll, I use Maleficent, which I I hated that movie, is a great example. I really feel like they actually kind of devalued her character by like with the backstory they gave her because instead of just kind of being an asshole that was just an asshole like it had to be this whole like oh well no she's like this because a man like did her wrong and it's just like what but she's less cool now like she just like this she's just this like scared person lashing out because someone screwed her over instead of just being like oh yeah like I'm just I'm the baddest person in the room and I'm just going to fuck with people because well, I can. You can you, the the problem is that whenever you're invoking things like fate and fairies and stuff like that, their nature is largely immutable. If they're going to be cold and cruel, they're always going to be cold and cruel. That's how the folklore works. And you try and humanize them and it doesn't really work. Well, but the uh, thing is like the thing is like they don't they don't know how to do it right. Like, I think, like, Darth Vader's fall is, like... I mean, even though George, George Lucas screwed it up, it still kind of worked. He just botched it along the way. Um, like, that works. Because you get... The end game is still where it needs to be, and there's, like, the whole fall. But I just feel like it usually just... It makes them less... I don't know. It makes... It just lessens them as characters. <sighs> So this has been more fun to talk about than the UWF blackjack brawl. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we, we digress, but that's for, for a reason. So yeah, uh, this is so this from this point forward is where I really hate the announcers. Yeah. They get really bad after this point. So up next is yeah. Are the, are the ladies up next? Yes, the women's match is up next. So up next we have uh, Miss Candy Devian. Versus Tina Moretti. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for some reason, Rossi kept calling her Devian, which it's like, it literally says on the graphic divine. Yeah. I. You, it was like, he kept doing it too, even after the match. you think someone would be like, hey dude, like, her name's Divine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Um, and um, so my my thought during this whole match is like, wow, like Tina Moretti's like whole ass is like exposed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that's not not much in the way of cover. Um, and so my thoughts of this were Tina Moretti actually looked pretty good. I liked her offense. She sold well. She bumped pretty well, and Candy Divine kind of just looked like crap. Uh, just as a, a heads up, if you're watching this match and you're looking at Moretti going, that looks familiar, yes, she does. Because mm-hmm. that's Ivory. Um, but yeah, she you, you could tell that she had... She had talent. She knew what she was doing. There were spots where she kept, like... She would go to go into whatever that it, like there there was a um oh like a belly to back suplex or something like that where she landed and she stayed in spot for the pin that always follows that up but divine like rolled away and was standing there looking at her so she just looked like she kind of got planted in a weird position before she moves like she was anticipating the spots and what it should be, and Divine was just kind of lost. I always thought Ivory was a solid worker in WWE, and I think this really kind of hit that home for me. It's pretty clear that she was the one that knew what she was doing in this. Yeah, and so uh, Candy Divine wins. There's also um, Tolos and what's the what's that idiot play-by-play guy's name? Uh, we can just call him um, IPBP. Yeah, whatever. Faster. Whatever the whatever the play-by-play guy like, they really kind of like get into some argument during this match, and I hated both of them. Matt, what did you think of this women's match? It was uh, it wasn't good, but I mean, it was there. <laughs> like Moretti was good. But, it was short. That was yeah. mercifully short. It was only like about three minutes, I think. Yeah. Three and a half. Um, but yeah, the, the guys were just all over the place. The announcers were all over the place. And uh, just I, I, I was sitting there wondering if with as many corners as they cut on the show, how long it would be before like the like the sound equipment cut out or something hoping <laughs> you know what i don't get about the it announcers did. is they sound like they post-produced this but you when you get to a later match they're at ringside uh yeah it's they they were at ringside <sighs> it's the finish on this was really screwy too, wasn't it? Like, like, or really weird or something like that. I've got that I mean, stuck in my head. I mean, I didn't write it down. You just described every match on this card, right? But like, this one was a special kind of screwy. I don't remember. Like I said, it? I don't really remember because all the finishes were like screwed up. I, I don't remember this one specifically because there were some like really outstandingly bad finishes, and that's the next three matches. So. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so it Moretti was was good, but it was not a good match. Yeah. 
What was the next one on there? This was so that for some reason we watched like a two-hour version and they completely cut this match off, which I don't know why because there's other things they could have cut to make this one fit in two hours. So this is Mass Confusion, aka the Killer Bees of uh, B. Brian Blair and Jim Brunzel versus the New Powers of Pain, which is Warlord and David Power, aka Dave the Wonder Hobo. <laughs> I think they're calling him Power Warrior for this. So this is um. Yeah, they were. One of these things is not like the other. Yeah. Right. So Dave Power is part of the Power Twins, which is David and Larry, which plays into the finish actually. But so they're like. Wait, a, wait, 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 wait! Back up, back up. The Power Twins, David and Larry. Yes. David they, Power and Larry Power. Did no one ever say that out loud to him and say, do you see how that sounds? I mean, this was an indie act, so you gotta... So this is probably, like... So this is, like, a local talent group, like, a local tag team they used when they were in New York. So they're, like, an indie team. And, um... So, you know, you have the the Killer Bees, who are the Killer Bees. Um, They still look pretty good. You have the Warlord, who surprisingly looked pretty good in this match, and he's still got, like... He has that big league appeal to him, and then he has this schlub next to him. Yeah. Warlord looked, like, from the other things I've seen, Warlord's not looked good, but he, he, you know, he wasn't bad in this. Yeah. He looks like, you know what it looked like to me? It looked like there was Warlord teaming with a Beagle Boy. (laughs) There were a number of slots on this show that I looked at where it seemed like that the the person in like one of the people on the card was just someone they found in one of the casinos like hey you want to make some money you know what it, you know what it looks like you know what it looks like happened here is they called the barbarian and he said like I I only take cash you're not writing me one of those rubber checks you're known for Herb Abrams so they got yeah they got David Power yeah. So, Matt, why don't you you go ahead on on this one a little bit? Uh, I actually only watched this the two hour version. Oh, okay. I I like right before the show, I pulled up like some of the tag match, but I wasn't able to actually see it. Okay. It's I I saw enough to see that the power the power twin guy was just clearly like what what are you doing <laughs> what are you doing out there like you have three actual like stars or former stars and this like random schlub it's it's literally i think the ending is like the power twins do the the twin switch and the killer bees get out and then the killer bees do the switch and then that's the end no the killer bees didn't do the switch oh you're right you're right i thought they did no the 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 this was this was so weird because it was the power twin it was a twin bait and switch where the switch failed yep and then the the fresh twin got pinned like easily (laughs) Yeah, so and this is also I, I was, this also has probably the line of the night, which that I think it was it the warlord or was it the the power twin that went up? That was the, the warlord. He goes up to the the middle rope, not even the top rope, and yeah, John Tolis is like he's fifteen feet high in the air. He's fifteen feet in the air, and I'm like he's on the second rope. I came off the second rope so that I it, you know. So that I wouldn't, like, destroy my knees when I landed. Yeah. Oh, oh, and I wanted to mention, 
the they mic'd the hell out of this ring too, which I think the crowd being yeah. so empty didn't help. So everything on this this show is like earth shatteringly loud, bump wise. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. It here's the thing. I, I the the version I had did have this match, and it was interesting to watch because this match, like Blair and Brunzel, like they know what they're doing, and Warlord can fill his role. So the only, the problem was just, you know, it, it, one guy and the match was not bad. It was, it, it was one of the better matches on the card. So, you know, it was, it was all right. And I'm okay with that. It was just, and I don't think they were actually presented with tag titles. No, I don't think there were tag belts to be seen. Yeah. So this was this, so. this was this was fine. Um, so up next we get uh, Jimmy Snuka versus Cactus Jack in a lumberjack match. Yes, all of those words are technically true. And John Tolos will not shut the fuck up during this match. He's like, what a great <laughs> wrestling match. Listen to that crowd. And like, okay. Yeah. And he, uh, I do think Foley's like one of the only guys other than Steve Williams and Sid that got a pop on this card though. Yeah. That, and they weren't, um, you know, Foley was one of the guy, one of the like maybe three guys who was not like an over the hill or over and gone type in this. So uh, I, I I'm watching this match and you know it's it's Cactus Jack versus Jimmy Snuka, which you know that's like a dream match, and I feel like that should have. Just it should have gone better. A dream match for who? Cactus? For because, Cactus, yeah. Because I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I have ever seen a Snuka match that I like. I don't. I actually don't think I like Snuka at all. Well, I mean, it just for 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 Foley. It was oh yeah, of course. I like one of yeah. his heroes, but I would have to see some of his heel stuff from like the late seventies to really make a determination there. It I was, mean, I personally, I don't mean to like be a, a rude, but I personally see why his daughter is such a terrible worker. Brad <laughs> <laughs> was a good worker to begin with. You know, you know what's funny about Snuka is people actually remember the Madison Square Garden splash wrong. He did not do it during the match. He did it after the match, after he lost. And those matches are bad. Yeah. Those matches are bad, and Don Morocco is actually a good worker. Yeah, so this was not good. And, you know, God bless him, Cactus was trying. He was was really, he was trying. Uh, He didn't have much to work with. And then you get... Let's be honest here, Snooka was probably pouting that Herb wouldn't share any of the, the, the goods before the show. Now, brother, you cannot be... I can't do a snooker. Never mind. I'll shut up. Okay, brother. (laughs) 
But here's the thing, the biggest thing that bothered me. Like, okay, yes, this was this was bad. The biggest thing that bothered me was that the lumberjacks didn't lumberjack. Oh God, no! They just stood oh, there. Oh no! Yeah, and if someone came out of the ring, they all kind of like huddled around him, and then like put him back in the ring. This was an absolute like dreadful, abysmal excuse for a match air quote yeah where half of it was just like them getting thrown like onto like basically the announce table and then everyone just crowding around the announce table and occasionally like cactus would throw a kick and then you'd have the announcers just be like freaking out because they're being crowded by all these people what what, i don't i don't think it was tolos i think it was the other like schmuck where he's like this shouldn't happen in america and i'm like (laughs) just shut up just shut up do you you not know how the yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, and, and, I, I go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, uh, well, I was gonna. I wrote down on my notes. At one point, Tolos interjected, and it was like, "This is one of the best lumberjack matches I've ever seen." And in my notes, I'm like, "Has he seen what? None." Yeah. Because this is probably the worst lumberjack match I've ever seen. This is this is this is the match I was watching when you guys got the text of. I don't know if John Tolos is dead, but I hope he is. <laughs> I don't believe. I believe the text was, "Tolos is dead and he deserves it." No, that's what. <laughs> no, there, there, there was a multiple thing. I texted you that. Then after the show, I looked it up, and then I said, "He is dead, and I'm glad." I think is what, and he deserved it. <laughs> but we, we're we're watching these lumberjack, like it's other people on the card, and they. They, you know, they throw Snook out, and everybody just kind of like clusters around him, like in that second Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie where he's on the train, and everyone just kind of reaches out and touches him. Well, you know what this is, and then they gently put him back in, and it takes like Cactus is the one like whenever he gets out there, he starts like hitting and kicking the lumberjacks because he's like, all I can think is he's got to be going do something, and so he starts laying into them. At one point, he picks up the table and runs around the ring. And runs into Snooker with it, and then all the guys are like the, no, they're th- I know what they're like. They're like teachers in a fight in high school, where they're just trying to keep everybody apart. It looked and, it looked like to me everyone was like, well, I already did my match. I don't want to get hurt. I'm not getting paid extra for this. They just didn't do anything to the point where a lumberjack match. Ends with a countout because Snuka and Cactus make their way up the empty stands, <laughs> highlighting the fact that nobody's in the arena. Yeah. To a countout, and then Cactus cha- takes an unnecessary su- suplex bump somewhere. This is so Memphis does the best kind of lumberjack match because a lot of their lumberjack matches they actually give the um, lumberjack straps. So yeah. instead of like them trying to push you back in, if you go out of the ring, they slap the crap out of you until you get back in. It gives you incentive not to go out there. Yeah, I, I think that's the superior way to do it, just because. And then you know you get like. You can get stuff going on outside because maybe a heel laid into a face a little too much. Like, I, I enjoy that version of it, but these Lumberjacks sucked. And then Foley, like, took a bump on the... 
in the the stands in the stands but, yeah um the one guy whose name i can't remember on commentary was like obsessed with trying to figure out which section they were in <laughs> it's just the announcers were so useless they were an active detriment to this match oh it was terrible i i don't it because like it was bad enough in a vacuum with no commentary but with commentary it was just awful. It was, it was awful. It really was. Matt, do you do you want to say awful with us so we can? Yes. Hands down. <laughs> what happened next? I don't remember. Uh, main event time. This is Dr. Death Steve Williams versus Malicious Sid Vicious, I think is what they called him. Did your guys' video have the UWF merchandise commercials? No, but I, I, I had to go to the other tape, so I saw a couple of them. And they were, like, it was... Uh, yeah. I think I, I think I saw, like, some clips as I was trying to watch the tag match. I think I saw the version that you watched, Shad. Is it the one that basically had such bad shaky cam that you were getting, like, motion sickness? That was that was the whole the whole version of it I watched because the tracking was screwed up. But mm-hmm. they're, they're doing this, and there are these two guys that are talking about uwf merchandise and shirts and stuff and sid keeps wandering back and forth between them and the camera like he's lost (laughs) he just like walks into the frame and he looks around like he's trying to find who took his donut and then leaves and comes back and does it again and i decided you know what it's not going to get any get any better than that so i didn't watch the rest of the commercial there's, there's literally a TV show where they did it at, like, some fairground, and you can see one of the black hearts in the background of the show, like, trying to find a locker room to get changed in. <laughs> see, this this is the kind of, of gold that you could make more Southpaw-style stuff off of. Yeah. So this is, so. this is, um, this is, this is the main event... And I am going to be honest here. I thought this was actually pretty decent. I thought Sid fed Steve Williams' offense pretty well. Um, they broke the ring at one point, and they covered for it pretty well. And I would say this is actually one of the better Sid matches I've seen. Um, he uh, he curiously was trying, actually, in this match. I was shocked he took that suplex off the top rope. Mm-hmm. Sid took bigger bumps in this match than I can remember him taking in other matches. Because there was like a clothesline he ate, and he bumped like a motherfucker for that one. He had that clothesline. He had the the superplex. He took the doctor bomb. And and because it has to be the UWF, so the ending, after a pretty good match, and, and they did break the ring and covered for it. Well, we'll go back to that. But the ending is he hits the doctor bomb. They count the three. Dan Spivey hits him after the match, and the referee automatically DQs Sid. Yeah. And um, Dan Spivey hit the ring in jean shorts and his fanny pack. I mean, it's the 90s. Right. We learned on Nitro, there were a lot of fanny packs. There were. There were a lot of fanny packs, and Dean Malenko was left hanging. Uh, <laughs> it, the the thing I wanted to go to was whenever they broke the ring, because it, it, it looked like some of the boards broke, I guess, is the be- best I can figure. But the thing that I got out of that was 
how well those guys maneuvered around the break spot. Because it was like a whole quarter of the ring was unusable. And they maneuvered around that really well. So I kind of came away from this match going like, I mean, and I knew he was a good worker before, but I came away from that match going like, wow, Dr. Death is a quality in-ring talent. Like, a really good worker. Because in this sea of crap, he rose above it like a shining angel. <laughs> he and he and Sid put the boots on and proved why they were at the top of the card. And I mean, it's kind of amazing that Sid, one, showed up, and two, actually tried. <laughs> I guess he put forth effort. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess Herb either figured out when he didn't have softball, or he promised him softball afterwards. It, it it might have been that he was like, look, come in and do this, and when I'll schedule your softball team for tomorrow. So you do this tonight and then tomorrow. I'm wondering if I, I'd have to look at Sid's career around this. I wonder if Sid um, was trying to prove that he could be a good boy to get back in one of the big leagues at the time. Oh, that's a that's a good point. Maybe it is. When did the um, when did the Arn was that Arn Anderson? That was that created this. Yeah, I think that was like ninety, maybe ninety three. I'm wondering if maybe because this is like September of ninety four. I'm wondering if, I'm wondering if Sid was on like some, I'm a good boy now tour. So that's why oh, okay. he actually tried because he was trying to get a big job after the whole Arn Anderson, thing. Uh, this I I want to say it actually it was, uh, because looking up on wikipedia this uh event happened in september 1994 he was back in the wwe by early 2005 and sorry early 1995 okay so he was probably trying so so i'm thinking he might have done good here because he was angling for a visit like this was obviously going to be visible so he was trying to show like hey look i'm trying here i showed up Mm. so i'm wondering if that's that's what happened here that would make sense um i mean both of the guys they put in the work and 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 like we said it's more big bumps we saw out of sid than any other time i can remember off the top of my head well and i guess i guess there's the other factor of it if you're in the ring with dr death and he tells you to do something um i'm probably gonna do it because he's probably gonna do it to me whether i want him to or not so i might as well do it the easy way that's true. It's going to happen one way or another. Yeah, so, so the question is, am I on board? So there might have been that motivation, too, of, oh, I better just do this or he's just going to manhandle me in the process. Because I'm pretty sure Sid's a big guy, but I'm pretty sure Dr. Death would still rock his world. Sid's mm-hmm. a big guy, but I don't get the impression he was a particularly tough guy. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. I mean, he, he oh. wielded that squeegee pretty... Yeah, yeah, that's squeegee. That's true. All right. So, um, guys, how would we rate UWF Blackjack Brawl one? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a rare, um, a rare classification. I'm going to call this an absolute masterpiece of incompetence. <laughs> um, Matt, what would you call it? 
It's a it's a ponderous show because it's 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 probably one of the worst shows I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. If you actually factor everything in, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It's maybe that um, maybe that really bad Legends of Wrestling pay per view. I think that's worse. That might be that worst. that one. That that probably is worse. Um, but for a show that was from a, a, a promotion that was trying to be like something, like this is just just absolutely terrible. For, the, for right. the quality of talent on this show that still had the capability of putting on competent work, I think is a good caveat to put on this. I think that you could, if you were going to sit down and teach a class about running a show and running a promotion, you could sit down and take this show and every match of it, you could have examples of what not to do. I even think on like a macro level, like having this many titles on a show like devalues all the belts because it means nothing. Right. Like, even even there's yeah, there's so much. Even down to its DNA, it's like there's too many matches. Um, it seems like they're behind almost instantly. Uh, just you could you could take any aspect of the show and something's wrong with it. You, yeah, you can it, this this show is would be like a shining example of how not to do things. And you could you could uh, if I if I felt like it, I could probably sit down and write like a whole lesson plan out of like okay, match number 1. What did we do wrong? Match number 2. What happened wrong? Match number three, what happened wrong? And it builds. Because by the time you get to match number three, which was... Um, let me scroll up Dr. back up. Feel Good and Sunny Beach. And Sunny Beach. What was wrong at this point? Uh, or uh, we'll, we'll say we get to match four. What was wrong at this one? And one of the answers is, this is the third title match in four matches. This is a problem. You know, it, it'd be real easy to break down that way. Um, there's just so much wrong that you could you could teach a, you could teach a class based around it. So I have a question for both of you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you both knew you both knew going in that this was going to be bad, right? I uh, no, because I I knew nothing about UWF. Oh, okay. I heard about it. I had heard about it. Uh, but I never seen it, so I was just kind of going to, <laughs> into this with a an open mind, I guess. Okay, what about you, Shad? Did you did you have an expectation of this being bad? There's a quote that I'm I'm trying to figure out where it came from, and I can't I can't couldn't put a figure on it, put a finger on where it came from. But I was gonna say, I knew it would be bad. I did not know it would be this bad because it is this bad. Okay. And so to follow that up for both of you. So at what point in this show did you realize you were in deep trouble? Match two. Yeah. Match two. I, well, so, so I knew I, I, I'm pretty, I'd seen most of UWF's TV before. I had not seen this show. So I knew what I was getting into with this, and it was actually worse than I thought. But I knew as soon as 
as soon as Taco Grande started playing, I knew I knew I was in for a trip. <laughs> yeah, when when I figured out what that was, I thought to myself and saw like how Mondo came to the ring and Taco Grande, and then I saw Armstrong come come out. I was like, oh, oh no, <laughs> Brad, what have you done to us? Hey, Matt suggested it, not me. I was just excited about it. I did. I, I was part of a group that uh, found this on YouTube. By the way, if anyone wants to watch this awful, awful show, uh, it is free on YouTube. Most of their TV is on YouTube, too. Yeah, um, just, just search just, UWF Blackjack Brawl. Alternatively, you could just seek professional help. Yeah. But it's... Yeah, I, I'm... I'm having I'm having fun blaming Brad for it, but it's God isn't it, bless. I, I I will say this in defense of it: it is really bad, but isn't it? It is an experience. It's not like it's not irredeemably bad. Like there is some entertaining bad in there. Um, so I will say this: if you watch this, you will remember it. I can't say whether almost almost everything you said, with the exception of I think one sentence, you could apply to kidney stones. <laughs> so <laughs> there's no entertaining in kidney stones. Yeah, I would say but, I would say if you really want to experience the UWF, watch like the first couple of episodes because you get like you have like Billy Jack Haynes, Colonel De Beers, like Paul Orndorff and Steve Williams. Like it's still bad, but it's just a TV show, so your expectations will be a little lower and you're just in for like an hour of your life. You know what? If I mean, if you want to watch a train wreck, sure. I would, I would probably say don't, don't bother I would say watch the dark just, side of the ring on Herb Abrams. It's called Cocaine and Cowboy Boots, by the way. Yeah. That episode is. But I watched that last night. Um, but I, I want to say what we're, what we're thinking about coming out of this doing, just because um, I really actually enjoyed this as bad as the show was. Like, kind of the the deep dive into, like, the, the UWF itself. We're kind of talking about doing more of this like doing a i think we're going to call it like an also rans of the 1990s and um digging into like uswa dallas uh global the awf and i might we might review that north uh north american wrestling association i sent you guys that video of that has like ken shamrock in 1990 doing pro wrestling and Tony Schiavone announcing like that was really bizarre. I want to I wanted to see if there's more footage of that around and maybe review a couple episodes mm-hmm. because I was I was fascinated by that. That was like this weird bizarro Jim Crockett promotions that existed in the early 90s. I'm also going to see if we can break the curse and get a friend of mine on as a guest spot again. Oh God, we're not going to like kill another one of his family mm-hmm. members, are we? Yeah, that's that's I, I asked him. I'm like, <laughs> look, man. Have you got anybody on the edge? Because if I try and schedule again, I'm afraid someone's going to die this time. He doesn't have he susceptible to I think COVID, we're good. Do, does he? Because I, if, he, if, he, if he agrees to come on, like we will kill another family member. Um, 
probably just the same one that went to the ER last time. Well, I mean, I mean, theoretically, if we keep inviting him on, at some point we will kill all of his family members, and then he'll be able to come on. <laughs> That's technically correct. The best kind of correct. <laughs> I um, I, I I asked him, and he said, "Yeah, I should be okay now." And I said, I want you to make sure, because I don't want it to be our fault if somebody dies. So I'm going to try and put that together, too. Yeah. And and there's another there's another name floating out there that I'm, I'm, I may try and get some inroads in with as well. Um, but I want to I want to I'm going to sit on that. I don't want to make any promises if I can't put it together. Yeah. And, and th- these will be interspersed because because of our lives, like. Uh, Matt and Chad obviously have children. We have jobs. We can't. Sometimes we can review stuff for a couple of weeks, but we can't really take the time out to to review footage on a weekly basis. Otherwise, we yeah. would. So, uh, it'll probably get stretched out over the summer. I want to figure out what promotions we want to do. Figure out how available the footage is. I know global. The AWF and USWA Dallas is on the chart. I don't know in what order we'll do that. Um, I might just go chronological and do USWA Dallas first because GWF follows it. Mm. Um, But I don't know because we probably should have done Global a couple weeks ago because Joe Pettacino just died. Well, we'll get the itinerary sorted out. Yeah. Uh, so if you're listening to us, we do have itineraries usually, but they never survive more than a couple weeks because something always happens. And just before we close the show, I did want to talk. I did want to bring up the whole sh- uh, Shad Gaspard thing because that was a very tragic. Yeah. Show over the weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, don't mess with Riptides, folks, and. Um, I just I feel so tremendously awful for his his wife and his son. I, I'm like I don't have any special connection to them other than the name, but I feel awful for his son because I'd, I'd be worried his son's going to be having like serious survivor guilt. Yeah. So you know, if you got any opportunity to be kind to those folks, you should. Um. And um, I don't know how that would be, but yeah, and it also because it got a little overshadowed. Though he's been getting his tributes too. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Do either of you guys know how to pronounce? Is it Larry Kasanka? Larry's Larry Zonka. Larry Zonka. Yeah, Larry, Larry Zonka, Zonka passed away yesterday. Not the football player. No. A, uh, no. Different Larry Zonka. Four one one mania. Yeah, right. Larry Zonka was a writer for four one one mania for. I want to say like 15 years now. Yeah. I know he was like a big, I don't know if I read a lot of his stuff. I know he was like big in like the mid two thousands. Um, but yeah, he okay. passed away too. I just wanted to mention it because, um, it was a name I knew. And I think it's someone I've interacted with on message boards here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that being said, guys, thank you all for joining us. Um, Heed our warning, please. Uh, 
we'd love to hear from you on social media. Uh, and, um, you know, let us know if you agree with us, disagree with us, what you think. This is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth. And we'll see you next time.